she's sunshine to me. And I fell really in love with her. I mean, I'm telling you, like, totally 100% over head, over heels. And she feels the same way about me. And as we developed our relationship over time, months passed, a year passed, two years passed, three years passed, I, I was saying to her, you know, this is as good or better than when we started Everybody says this is supposed to wear itself out after a while. And ours kept getting better and better and better. And as a writer, and I do a lot of writing over the years, I started to take notes about what was really important. And I decided that really developing oneself as a romantic lover could be a life-changing kind of experience. It's not just about sex is not just about intimacy it's not just about the heart it's about all of together and our relationship got to what i would call the ecstatic level and pretty much still there over the last five years and i started sharing these things with clients i started talking about them in different talks i give in south florida and the world-class part of it to me means I want people to think about it as a very highly developed, highly skilled way of relating to someone that you truly love. And it brings out the best in a person. It brings out the best in the lover and in the one that you're loving. And that's a really, really big part of what it takes to be a world-class lover. Now I've got a list, um, I made a list um, in the book that I wrote. Um, it's called The Resurrection of Romance. And I have a list of qualities, behaviors, attitudes, do's and don'ts, things that really help a person develop that. And we can get into that as, in as much detail as, as, you're, as you would like. Yeah, I was just going to ask you that question, you know, because uh... – no, it said that uh, a lot of people, a lot of individuals have no idea what it takes to be a world-class romantic lover. So kind of kind of jump in right there. What does it okay. take? Okay. Well, I'm going to start with the most controversial one, and we'll work down from that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um <clears throat> This is for, I have a list for for men and for women, and most of them are the same. But the, and this one is one of the first things I say to guys in particular. Look, if if you want to be a world class lover with this woman that you you're telling me you love, you truly love her. One of the first things you got to do is you got to stop masturbating. And okay. they they. Most of them are sitting down on the couch It's hard for them to deal with that one but, And I say that to them Because You want to give her Everything you've got You don't want to drain yourself off In other in kind of personal ways You want to train your body Your heart, your mind To get excited about that woman And anything else Is a distraction And I, I've worked with a lot of guys over the years who who will have problems with that but the truth is you want to save yourself for her so that when you're with her you have a hundred percent that you're giving her everything the second thing that's really important and particularly today i think um i talk to people a lot about this it's for men in particular it's very 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 important to have respect for women you really need to, to see them as equals, to see them as uh, special and precious and have respect for them. So many guys see women as something to manipulate or to use or um, are, are see themselves as in some ways superior and a deep kind of intimacy that really a world-class romantic lover wants to develop a really deep intimacy. You can't look down on your partner and, and really get close to her and vice versa. A woman can't look down on her man and we can only develop a deep level of intimacy with someone we feel equal to. And so that's another 
really important factor in developing the relationship. Uh, another, you stop me if I'm if I'm going if, if you want to interrupt no, me here, but I, yeah, I just I'm, want to I'm ask on, you a question right there. Uh, I, I know in today's society, and finding equality in relationships sometimes sometimes kind of different difficult, should I say? Just because you know uh, the the male or the female may be, um, should I say, the the primary breadwinner in a situation. Yeah, that's a big issue for many many people. And one of the things that I think we need to do is to learn how to understand that how much money a person makes does not make them more valuable than someone who does not make as much money. And our culture, our culture over the last 5,000 years or so has you know, made men the primary breadwinner. The woman stays home in the in the classic relationship and takes care of children. And we haven't valued that in a way it needs to be valued. And then the other aspect of it is is that a lot of women out there now are people who are just as ambitious, just as driven, just as capable of earning good income as men. And we need to let go of the dollar sign as a sign of value and look into a person's heart, which is truly where the best romantic lover comes from in a sense. We, we, that's our context. That's the place that we come from is the heart. The heart is where the real value is. And I know that, you know, you hear people say that's a good-hearted person. We can tell if a person has a good heart and we can tell if a person is relating to their lover from their heart or their head or their pocketbook or wherever they're coming from. But the heart is really the the most important part. Okay. So how do you see couples coming to that part of equality? Uh, Should I say a balance? I think it needs to be a conversation. I I really encourage couples to literally sit down with each other and answer questions, share their hearts with each other. It's very important, for example, for a man and a woman who are in an early part of their relationship to ask each other what their dreams are. What do they really want to do with themselves? It doesn't matter if they're 25 or if they're 75 years old. Everybody, as you were talking about before, you know, everybody who's alive has some dreams, has some hopes, has some expectations, has something that's really important to them. And it's very important in a loving relationship to get to know what that truth is for your partner. And it requires learning how to listen to each other. And I think that listening is is incredibly important in couples. Uh, it's just amazing to me. I have couples come to see me, and they sit on the couch, and they point their fingers at each other, and they tell each other what's wrong with the other person. And I say to them over and over again, it's not going to get better until you start putting yourself in the other person's shoes, until you can say, I could understand why you have difficulties with me given your point of view. When people get to that point they, that they're really listening, really trying to understand what their partner is saying and who they are, they've taken a giant step in in healing the relationship and making it better and in enhancing uh, what I call the, the deep intimacy that I think really, truly romantic lovers uh, can have. Um, I I think that romantic love is another point I want to make because it's really important. There's a great big myth that's been passed down for, I don't know, centuries, that when we truly fall in love with another person, we don't see them the way they really are. And we, we create an unrealistic illusion about that person. My belief, my attitude, and my experience is that when we fall in love with another person and they fall in love with us, we are given 
and I think of it as a kind of a divine gift that God gives us, we're given what I call the eyes of love. We start to see that other person in the absolute best that they can be and that they are. And I think it's our task. It, it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a sacred task that we nurture that part of them, that we invite that part of them forward, that we support that part of them. And then our romance takes on uh, an incredibly deep and power. How, how good does it feel to be with someone who sees the absolute best of who you are? Let me ask you a question. That's an incredible thing. Go ahead. Let me ask you a question. How do you get past uh, the representative? Normally, when you first meet somebody, it may take a week, a month, or two months. You're dealing with the representative. That person is on their best behavior. They find it out and do all the little things that you like. And three, four, five months into this relationship, you're no longer dealing with the representative. You're dealing with the real person now. You know, so... How do you deal with that in terms of romance? Because who you thought this person was when you first started this situation, now you're seeing the real person is coming to the door, you know, with the hair rollers in the head. Well, that could lead to (laughs) (laughs) You understand my question? Because starting out, we're all on our best behavior. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think that that is a, that can be a giant disappointment, you know. I I think, and I tell every single person that I work with, bring your real self to the relationship. Do not play games. Bring your best self, but your real self. And when you fall in love with that person, that's what you want to continue to invite to show up is the right. best. Right. That that person. And if you not, it, not the representative. <laughs> If if the representative, as you're describing it, is false, you're into a big surprise and upset later. And I, I've said to people, don't play games when you start out in a relationship, because that person that that your partner, your potential partner falls for, that's that's the person that they're interested in. If you show them somebody that you're not, you're in trouble. And the second thing is, I think sometimes people, after four or five or six months, relax a little bit and kind of let their, uh, maybe their darker side show up. Uh That's not a good way to build a healthy, happy relationship. One of the things that I say in the book and to all the couples I work with, you need to treat your partner as if they're precious. That person has been given to you as a precious gift. Treat them that way and don't stop that after six months. If you continue to treat them as precious, they're going to bring that to you. They're going to bring that to the relationship. And I, I think that what you're calling a representative is not going to, um, they're going to be more real from the beginning. That's really the solution to that. If I'm understanding what you're saying to me. Yeah, well, the representative is usually the person that, that, that intrigues you, that you're interested in, uh-huh. and you really get to know this person. It's not the person that you thought it would be. And you hear some people talking about, well, you know, you changed the horse in the middle of the stream. And basically, that's what it is. I, I came into this relationship, or should I say this, the situation thinking that you're this type of person and you're this way and you're going to be loving, romantic, and, you know, we're going to walk in the park, hold hands, and do all those uh-huh. things. And a couple months yeah. into the relationship, now here the bear comes, but this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> what you're telling me is that you're describing a person who gets into a relationship and hides, uh, either they're hiding who they really are, or they don't have the inner strength to sustain it. Now, one of the big problems in relationships today, and I, I, I tell my couples this all the time, there's two major problems that people have in relationships. Is one is they have not good communication skills. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the other problem, which in certain sense is even bigger, is that they're immature. They're not grown up. 
if you're going to be a world-class romantic lover, you're going to have to be an adult person. Children, adolescents, teenagers, even in 40- or 50-year-old bodies cannot sustain a healthy, productive relationship. And so it may be that this person that you're talking about pushes it at first and tries to hold up the best that they are, and then it just wears them out. And I would say if they're doing that, they're not ready for a long-term healthy relationship. They need to do some work on themselves, get themselves together, because that that's a, as you said, the bear comes out. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, you know. You, know, <laughs> you, you just wake you, up and you're laying next to a bear, and the bear just fed it. You know, they, they used to care about how they look for you. They used to groom themselves and have all the mm-hmm. little smells and you good, keep to, toenails done. And, yeah, you know, once they right. feel like they got you. You know, all of a sudden, all this goes away, and then well, you know you see you, that's, so, that's what a child does, Elwin. That's how a <laughs> child relates. That's not an adult. You don't stop doing that if you want a world class relationship. You can't. You can't get well, it up. You can't just stop shaving and stop washing yourself off, and you go to bed dirty. It's not going to work. <laughs> by no means. By no means. <laughs> So why do you why why do you think uh, many men seem to be afraid of being romantic? I think I'm hoping that this is beginning to change in the past ten twenty years. But I think a lot of men are afraid of uh, the word vulnerability. They are afraid to appear open hearted, and they think it makes them look weak. And so they they try to hold on to this manly man kind of concept, which really um, is becoming outdated. And you can be a truly masculine, strong man and still open your heart to the woman that you love dearly. And I think that men, in many cases, need to learn how to do that. It's a learnable skill. You know, if you if I say to a man, who's communicating to his woman, are you coming from your head now? Are you coming from your heart? Every man will know to know that they will know that immediately. They'll be able to say, Oh yeah, that's from my head. Or they'll say, no, I'm really coming from my heart now. That's not a sign of weakness. I see it as a sign of courage. I see it as a sign of strength to open one's heart to the person that we love the most. But don't you feel that comes more from a man that's uh, secure with himself more so yes. than an insecure man. Mm-hmm. You you got it exactly right. That that requires us as men to be to learn how to be secure in who we are as a man and as a person, and then the woman that we're in relationship with is is really going to love that because when we feel secure, we don't get defensive. We don't have a problem being wrong every once in a while. We can ask for forgiveness. We can say we're wrong and we can open our heart and say things like, you know, I love you. You, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life without, and even sometimes do that thing that a lot scares the heck out of a lot of men. And sometimes we even cry. Oh, so, wow. Well, he better have a good job, man. <laughs> he, he better have a good job if he go to the crying thing. You know what I'm saying? Because we, like most women, they can come home and, and have a bad day and, you know, share with their man, you know, sit on the couch, watch the movie. He may, may even, you know, <clears throat> sob a little bit on on the man's shoulder. But don't let the man come home, have a bad day, you know, with clients and whatever, you know, and show that side like that and get a little emotional and cry on his woman's shoulder. He well, can't I'll do tell that you and not have a good job. He can't do that if he don't got no good job because all of a sudden he go, she might tell him, she might not tell him to his face that he weak or some stuff like that, but her girlfriend going to hear about it. Guess what John did last night? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he, he's sitting here on the couch sobbing and shit, you know. 
Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, wait. If you want to have a, if I'm going to talk to the women right now, if you want to be a world class lover, you do not go out and talk bad about your man to your friends. You do not do that. But let me go back to the crying, to the crying man for a second. Okay. I'm not, I'm not talking just about sadness here. I'm talking about joy. If you can, if you can learn to look in your woman's eyes and really let your heart fill up with how much you love her, how much you appreciate her, how grateful you are that that woman has come into your life, that's going to bring tears to your eyes. That will give you giant points, my friend. Okay, well, you I cry want all out the of gentlemen. joy. Hey, look, I want all the men out there listening to the show, you know, you need to write this down because this is a point giver. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I you know I kid around with my girlfriend about that you know, and sometimes I say I think I got points for that one right. She said, "Boy, you did, you did." I think that we need to be able to, for example, if you're going to be a world class lover, sit down and think about the woman you love and see how many positive characteristics of hers that you can list in a minute, in one minute. I did that about my girlfriend, uh, Sunny. Let's see. I did it. I think I did it last year. I wrote her a text, and I wrote 45 positive things about her in less than a minute. I tell her those kinds of things on a regular basis, what I appreciate about her, and that fills me up. That fills up my heart. It makes me grateful that she's there. It makes me happy that she's there. Now, a lot of men don't think to do that. But it's well, a, it's they a haven't really been important taught point. to do that, Doctor. Anderson. Exactly. We, haven't been, we, we, we really haven't been taught to that. I didn't mean to cut you off, but we haven't been, mm. as a man, we really haven't been taught to that. And I think I heard you mention earlier that it's, it's a learned thing, mm-hmm. an acquired skill. You know, oh, we yeah. were always taught as young men and little boys, you know, we were snakes, snails, and puppy dog tails. You get a good job and go out and take care of your family. That's pretty much it. I mean, yeah. that was right. the role that we were cast in. So, mm-hmm. you know, where at what point were we given these skills to be, you know, uh, uh, a romantic anything unless, you know, you know we, we had our that. father or somebody. You're you're right. You're exactly right. I don't remember my father ever saying one single positive word to my mother in my presence. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it. I didn't hear it. I had to learn mm-hmm. it. Is dinner ready? And I didn't start. I mean, you you hear something like that. Yeah. Is, is dinner ready? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. uh, where's my house where shoes? I, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, where's the remote control? Had, yeah, I had I had a a friend who used to go in and say to his wife, the best he would say about dinner is that's good grit. I said that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Don't don't say that there. She said to me, "That's the best he ever says. I, that's good grits, honey." I said, "Well, no matter what dark, it is, you right say it was grits, huh?" That's right. <laughs> that's funny. You know, if you didn't grow up in the South, man, you're in trouble. You don't even know what that is. But I think learning how, learning how to say to the person that you love. This goes. This is true for women as well as men. Learning how to say to that person, this is what I appreciate about you. And be specific. It's one thing to say, I think you're a wonderful person. That's fine. But to say, you have a beautiful smile. I love how compassionate you are to other people. I think you're a fantastic listener. Uh, to I think your eyes are beautiful. I mean, it, it can go in any direction as long as it's specific, it matters. And if you really want a great relationship with this person that you say you're in love with, you can you can start writing it down. I mean, think about... Do you think, do you, I'm sorry. Do you think that uh, it would help couples if, you know, I heard you mention a list earlier... If both parties would 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 sit down and write maybe ten twenty things down that they like uh, and their dislikes and exchange lists with each other, I think the best thing to do with that is to write down the things you like and love about your partner, 
do not include the conversation about what you don't like in the same conversation because the people are going to walk away with thinking about the painful parts rather than the pleasurable ones. But I recommend that you write it down and then you say it to your partner face-to-face because what happens if I say it to you face-to-face, it's much more powerful than if I write it down and say, okay, honey, read what I wrote about you. So it takes it to another level. It takes a ups the game. It, it makes it much more powerful for me to look in her eyes and say, boy, I just love your sense of humor. You, you just make me laugh. And when you make me laugh, it makes my heart sing. Good point. That makes sense? Yes, most most now, definitely. I think, now that Rick, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry, I get excited. I just keep right on talking here. No, I'm gonna go ahead the, because I, that I was just gonna say that ties into you know men feeling not so masculine mm-hmm. when they do when they do that. You know what? When a man says to a woman, "When you laugh, it makes my heart sing," that woman is not gonna look at him and think. What a wimp. She's going to think, my God, I got a special one here who can talk to me like that. Who, It's got to be real, though. Can't make it up. Mm. It has to be real. So I'm not telling, yeah. I'm not giving people lines to say to the woman because they will figure out really fast if you don't really mean it. And then you work and off to, and, and start it. And to, our, and to our female listeners out there, this is not the time you say what's got into you. <laughs> exactly. 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 That's perfect. You know, that was a what you've been you've been listening to some radio show and get advice. Man. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Weston got into you. What's wrong with you? What do you want now? What do you want now? What's up? What That's do you right. want? <laughs> oh, that'll kill it fast, man. That will really kill it. What we want to do is encourage the positive things in someone. If they, you know, it's. If someone has a change in behavior that's positive and we want to see it again, we have to treat it with respect and and say, hey, thank you. Uh, Thank you for sharing that with me. Thanks for telling me that. That was great. Then you're going to get more instead of what you said. That was really that was good because I've seen people do that. And the man says, "I, I don't know why I did that. I'm not doing it again. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, it, it, look, it happened. It, it happens more times than not, because uh, guys would, you know, sometimes, you know, guys see a lot of things that they would like to compliment their their woman on, like they look cute today, shoes, or, mm-hmm. or you know, they smell good, and then the guy compliment the woman, and she'll give him that little mm-hmm. look. What What are you up right. to? Whatever it is, no. <laughs> Wait, look, whatever it is, now, no. <laughs> now here's an important part about romantic love is that's underneath this piece of that conversation that you're talking about is that one of the things I ask people to do is to look in their hearts and say to themselves, how much love can I tolerate? How much love can I really let in? If this person wants to love me a hundred percent, can I accept it? Because your partner starts to change in a positive direction and you put her or him down for it. You're basically saying, I can't handle that much love. I don't trust that much love. Why would somebody love me that much? That's a problem. So if, if people do that, they're they're really kind of pushing away the love that wants to come to them. And that's not healthy. And it's not going to lead to a happy, more loving relationship either. So I, if that, you know, I say sometimes to couples, I, I say, look, you guys have been here working with me, and you're going to go home and try some new behavior. And when, when your partner tries that new behavior, you don't say to them, Dr. Anderson told you to do that, right? No, that's not what you're supposed to do. It's, it's, it's say thank you for trying. Thank you for caring enough about me to make a change, in the, a positive change in your behavior. That's really important. And I think, too, what, what's most important, you know, what you mentioned earlier and that would definitely uh, be 
powerful in all these things is the communication part of it. People have oh, got yeah. to learn how to communicate mm-hmm. honestly and openly, and and not and not uh, reject another party's uh, feelings. You know, a lot of yes. times somebody share their their true feelings with you. You know, uh, the your your partner can't handle it, and I guess that's what he mm-hmm. coined the phrase. You can't handle the truth. I, I want to be honest. Yeah. I'm trying to tell you the truth, but because of maybe your life experiences or uh, your past relationships. <laughs> I have to taper what I tell you because I'm afraid that you're going to handle it, you know, inappropriately. You're going to run down the turn right, down the right. wrong street. Mm-hmm. There's, it's very important, I think, in a healthy relationship to have a balance between the positive and the negative. And the proper balance is something like 20 to 1 or 30 to 1 or 40 to 1, meaning for every negative thing you want to communicate, you need to have 20 to 30 other positive things going on between the two of you in order for that negative thing to be handled appropriately. And if you've got a lot more negatives than that, you've got a problem and you need some help. Wow. The research shows that happy couples spend a lot of time interacting and saying positive things to each other. I, I did a little experiment the other day. I go to the, to the, uh, I go grocery shopping pr- once or twice a week with Sonny and <clears throat> we're in the grocery store, maybe 30, 45 minutes doing a, a week's groceries. And the other day when I went in with her, she said something positive to me when we got out of the car. And I thought, you know, she does that so good. I'm going to count and in the next 30 minutes, she said 10 positive things to me, 10 in 30 minutes that I did not request. I didn't expect it. That's how she communicates with me. And I came out of that place feeling better than when I went into it. And I said to her, did you know you said 10 positive things to me? She said, no, I didn't know that. I was just saying what I was thinking. And I said, that's one of the reasons I love to be with you. It's because I hang out with you incredible, and I try to do the same back with her, and it's, it's, a, it's a constant flow. Now, that can be learned, and the payoffs for that are incredibly wonderful because if, if she says 10 positive things to me and then she says, honey, there's something bothering me I need to talk to you about, I'm not going to be afraid of it. But if she doesn't say the positives and then she pops me with that negative thing, that's all I got to hold on to. Then maybe I get defensive. Does that make sense? Would you say maybe you'll get defensive? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have a rule for myself. I I, want to be world class, so being defensive is off my list. I do not allow myself to get defensive. It's if she has something she wants to say to me that's even slightly negative, first rule for me is do not get defensive because if I don't get defensive, then she feels that I'm really trying to hear what she has to say. I'm not deflecting it. I'm not pushing it away. And then it makes it easier for her to communicate with me. You know, I mean, you know how every we all have people in our lives that get defensive and we start to try to tell them something, even from our hearts, they get defensive. Communication pretty much stops right there. It's just yep. dead you, in the water. You're absolutely right there because I'm known <clears throat> to shut down. I'll turn the channel in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but listen, listen, for those who just join us, this is your host. Uh, you're listening to Dr. Anderson. And you're listening to Counter Player Play. If you have any questions, would like to chime in, the caller number is 646-929-2870. 646-929-2870. If you might want to add something or you might want to ask the question, we'd like to hear it. All righty. Sorry, just had to throw that one out That's there. no problem. That's great. I hope somebody calls in got some questions. Hold on. I think we might have somebody here. Let me see who we have. One one one, you're on. Well, my my my, Mm-mm-mm. this is live. How about that? 
Uh, uh, how are you, how well, are you doing, Diddy? I'm, I'm fine. How are you doing, sir? Welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. My name is Joe, in case you've forgotten, and apparently you have. So, oh, I want... no, Joe, welcome to the show. We're on live with uh, Dr. Anderson, and uh, we're talking about how to become a world-class romantic lover. You have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Any questions um... for Dr. Anderson, should I ask? <laughs> Yeah, I'm taking a look at your description page, and um, the doctor has a book called The Resurrection of Romance. So I'm going to make a few assumptions, and Doc, you can tell me if I'm wrong or right. Okay. All right. Now, I'm going to assume, according to your book and major goal of your book, and if you have um, patients or clients, if you also give advice, is that you're trying to make sure that men and women not only communicate well, that they kind of retain their romantic version of what a man should do and what a woman should do. Am I right or wrong? Yes. You got it. Okay. So within that particular um, sphere of romance, a man has certain duties, a woman has certain duties, and then as uh, and you're trying to make sure that the men and the women kind of relate back to the traditional roles of men and women within a romantic setting? No, I would not use the word traditional. Okay. Then um, what is it that you, you, what kind of mindset do you want the men and the women to have? Well, uh, you and I might be thinking different things about the word traditional, but the traditional attitude about relationship is that a man has roles that he has to perform based on his gender and a woman the same and I don't see that in healthy relationships I think men and women need to see each other as equals and share responsibilities for example based on who's skilled at it not whether they're man or woman you know it used to be the man, man was assigned a role to take out the trash but he wasn't supposed to do the vacuuming kind of thing but that's traditional uh, when I hear the word traditional, I think of 75 or 100 years ago in terms of tradition. So I don't know if that's what you meant, Joe, but that's that's how I react to it. Well, I'm glad you said that. that is, well, that is the traditional role, but that's not one that I would actually espouse. I don't like the traditional roles. I don't like it when a woman's stuck, let's say, for example, at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm the kind of woman who says oh, she's a feminist when it's convenient. But she's stuck in her car at 2 o'clock in the morning. The uh, tire has a flat. And instead of calling AAA, she calls her husband to come out there with the other car and fix it flat. So uh, to me, I say, woman, uh, learn how to fix a flat <laughs> so that you can get out of that uh, situation quickly. So I don't like traditional roles. I don't like the fact that a man or a woman has to take on the so-called leadership role. It's um, if you're well, I would agree. I would agree with you about that. I think that the leader should be the one in any given situation who has the ability in a couple, the ability to do the best job at it, and that can change from subject to subject, situation to situation. Oh, I agree. Like I, and I think I've told this on your show before, Lamont, about you know if I found my Zena and she was more intelligent than me, stronger than I am, um, has better emotional responses to different situations than I am, um, that wouldn't bother me at all. But well, you need to quit lying, Joe. No, come on, man. I'm not lying. Uh-uh, that wouldn't bother me at all. Okay. The point I was getting to. Now you're referring hey, Joe, you're back to the traditional he, ego. He nailed you, Joe. Is he telling you you're lying to me? That's already? exactly what he's saying. But he knows he's lying. I, I, I was just, I was just wondering, was this the arrogant Joe that I think I know? Oh, I am the arrogant Joe, you know. And I also said that if I found my Zena, it wouldn't bother me. But what? But what would happen? Joe, it's that? creeping around the corners there. You know, you got to be careful with that. Yeah, I know. You don't know Lamont like I know Lamont. <laughs> but if, but what, that's what would true. happen? I'm sure that's true. Yeah, see, it would bother her. This is why women. One of the reasons why women get all messed up in relationships. They want that man, regardless of what they say, to be the leader. They want the man to be Hercules while she's the princess. I wouldn't mind being a house husband and, in fact, taking care of the kids, taking care of the house. 
making 30, 35 a year while she's making 100, 150 a year, and she's coming home to find that the house is clean. I've got dinner ready for her, but the women don't want it. Now, Lamont, is I that think true? That, I, think, I think, Joe, that's a dangerous assumption. <laughs> what really? I mean by no, that. Oh, really? What I think so, by that okay. is it's not a good idea to say the women. Because <laughs> if you want to be really good at loving your woman, you have to treat her as an individual. You can't put her in a group and say women are this way or men are that way. I think that's a dangerous way to lose contact with who that real person is. Did you say her name is Zena? Well, you know, remember the um, the fictitious character Zena that used to have oh, a Oh, so TV you show? don't have a girlfriend or a wife named Zena? No, 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 no. no. Oh. Well, if you're assuming I did. Okay, so you're assuming that well, if I... Well, you said Zena, uh, I thought... I thought maybe you were talking about the woman in your life. No, no, no. But I think it's dangerous to make gross assumptions about any group of people, especially male and female, because I want to relate to that woman in my life as an individual. And sometimes she's one way, sometimes she's another, and she appreciates that I treat her that way. Is that and right? I appreciate when she's okay. that way with me. Okay. So how oh, many hold on, women? gentlemen. I think we have somebody else might want to jump in here. Yeah, let's stir the pot up. <laughs> Hello, one one one. You're on. Hi, I've been listening for oh, about six minutes. God. Hello, Joe. Hello, Miss jo- Lady. Oh, here, oh, here comes spoiling the well. All right. <laughs> no, actually, I'm going to agree with you. Generally speaking, uh-huh. that's not appealing to women for the man to stay home cooking clean and for her to work and be the primary breadwinner. That's not. I think it's a genetic, uh, you know, inherent kind of visceral reaction. Uh-huh. It's not appealing. It's not attractive. And, you know, there are some women that have become more masculinized and, and, uh, and more uh, uh, these days. And so they might fall for, they might want that. I mean, they might feel like let the man take on the more uh, um, customary feminized kind of role and I'll uh-huh. be take on the more masculinized kind of role. But I have only known one woman to have embraced that and she had deep-seated issues deep-seated issues her husband didn't even cook and clean he didn't work he stayed home and smoked weed all day and she worked uh and uh and she came home and cooked and so i mean it's just really ridiculous it's just excuse I don't me, know, excuse me. Mother. What, what's your first name what's your first name uh, i go by the miss lady that's my name that's my blog talk miss name. lady uh-huh. Oh, good. Okay. And so, I just and so yeah, so no, no, I don't know, uh, I don't well, I know do any women that, that really that are like healthy that want, to, that want to embrace that role. I don't know. Yeah, I'm agreeing, I'm, agreeing not healthy. With, I'm agreeing with both of you. I'm agreeing with the doc and you, Miss Lady. First off, that woman that you know about doesn't have deep-seated issues because that's a negative connotation. What she has is a dead beast. That's no, she does like have, me. in order to embrace, she wanted it that way. She was highly, mother was white, she hated her mother. Uh, she, uh, she just had a lot of problems. In turn, they had, you know, so, and it just kind of reflected that in the kind of relationship she was, she wanted. I mean, she, uh, uh, surface-wise, that's what she wanted. Very instance, beautiful little girl, a young lady. But I mean, oh. crazy and mean, had a mean streak that, uh, you wouldn't believe. Looks like an angel, mean as hell, angry, this, unhappy. This sounds bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, if the guy hey, isn't, hey, if the guy isn't hey, fulfilling Joe, his Joe, yeah. Joe, Joe, Miss Lady, we didn't kind of went down the wrong street. Now we're here oh. with Doctor Anthony. We was talking about uh, the, I resurre- even know what the, the resur- primary topic is the the resurrection of romance. You know how to become uh, a world oh, man. Oh, 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 oh. about. <laughs> Come on, there's no romance when people are in conflict with one another. And if they have ideas, which are in conflict I understand, with but look, we can do uh, another right. show on dis- okay. we can do another show on dysfunctional romance, but we try uh, to find out how to get it back today. Yeah, I'll get you, Lamar. That's a good point. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, oh, so, romance? So, so, do- hmm. so, so, Dr. Anderson, listen, for a couple that's been together for five years, how do they revive their romance? Were they in love to start with? Well, uh, that's a good question. But if you've been together for five years, there's only one or two reasons you're there. You're there for convenience or you're there because you have some emotional attachment. 
true. Well, I have, I have. That's why I asked the question. It's really important. If if they fell in love to start with, and they they got together, they lived together, or they got married for five years, and they've lost that glow, the energy. Yes, they can get it back if they work at it. And <clears throat> a lot of the things that you and I have been talking about in the past twenty, thirty minutes are really important. Is you change the communication. One of the things that I say in the book is that words matter. You remember that old thing, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That's not true. What we say to each other is really powerful. I don't think it's an accident. In the Bible it says that God created the world and he did it by speaking. So words have power. And how I communicate the words that I use to talk to my wife or my wife speaks to me matters a lot and one of the things that can really help a couple after five years is to sit down and really start to change how they speak to each other and you and I were talking just before uh, Joe and and Miss Lady came on about affirmation about telling your partner what you're grateful for after five years there should be a lot of things you feel grateful for in your partner in the life you've had together, the relationship you've had, make a list and share it with each other. And treat that person. Renew your commitment to treating that person as if they're precious. Now, that's why I said, were they really in love to begin with? Because if they really weren't in love to begin with, we got a whole different kind of scenario. But if they were, what's probably happened is that they've lost the habits of really caring about each other and communicating it and treating each other special. And we get caught up in work. We get caught up being busy. We get caught up in our lives. And a lot of times you have children, you have a little kid in the house or a couple of them, it makes it even harder to maintain that special kind of connection. So you have to carve out the space for that. Little bad, so, little, bad I have, little badass stepkids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you have to maintain the space to be with your partner without interruption every week. You got to have a date. You got to have time alone. You have to have special things. You have to nurture it, just like you would anything else that's really, really important. You know, you bring up a good point, and the question is important: whether or not they were in love to begin with. So that um, those particular techniques of communication uh, would work or not. I have a question. This would be in line with what Miss Lady was talking about also. Let's say after five years, and this is in line with what you're also asking too, Lamont. Let's say after five years, a couple or a married couple, they've, they've fallen by the wayside. They've, um, you know, they may be thinking about getting a divorce or separating. So now, and I happen to agree with you too, Doc, about words do matter. Now they sit down and they're trying to renew the love that they once had. But yeah. the man has lost his job. He's been out of work for six months. He's been trying to get a job, but he's not getting a job because of the economic climate. Most women initiate divorce because of the lack of money coming in. I, that's their stated reason. I believe it's a Joe, you reason. did it again. Joe, you did it again. That's the second time you did that. And it's viable. You know so what you did? You but, said most women. Well, if 70% of women are initiating divorce, believe me, that's more than 50%, which means it's most women. Well, but you said because of money. That's what they've said. The well, surveys have been done, and the women responding. I know that that's the, that's the reason that they give, and I know you're correct with your statistics, because I read the same kind of research, but... Deeper than that, it has to do with how deeply from their hearts do they relate to each other. If they have a deep heart connection, they can get through not having jobs or other kinds of difficulties. See, that word that you've used is the biggest word in the English language, if. I mean, if my uncle had gonad, I mean, if my aunt had gonad, she'd be my uncle. The thing is, is that, you know, there are plenty of people who propose solutions, myself included, about how to, how to make the world the correct world. If this happened and if that happened. The thing is, the effort that's required 
in order to provide this if. That's the big if. Are they willing? That's right. Are they willing in any yes. situation, politically or economically or socially? Well, I think the thing is, it? first we have to be willing, and then we have to have somebody or something to guide us. It's one of the reasons that I wrote this book, mm-hmm. The Resurrection of Romance, is I wanted people to have a guidebook about how to nurture this precious thing they have so it gets stronger and stronger and deeper and deeper. And so when the crap of life shows up, as it always does, their relationship is strong enough to handle that. Their relationship can bear it. It can hold it because the bonds are strong. And there are certain very specific things that a person or people can do as a couple that make it stronger and stronger. And the problem in many relationships is they don't have that guidance. They don't have that kind of bond. So when life shows up, like you said, somebody loses a job for six months, things start to deteriorate between the two, and they start then to erode how they relate. They start to get nasty and hurtful to each other, and they get distant and disconnected. And then we start talking about lawyers. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a sad thing. And one of the major reasons I wrote the book is I want people to have a solid, realistic guidebook that says, here's some good things you can do so when the bad stuff shows up, you can manage it. Well, yeah. I mean, I think any kind of a book well-written that has um, very good advice is well-needed today. Very much needed because people, you know, we're all in trouble, okay? Some people can't find the right women, the right men, or the, maybe they have and then they don't recognize it or they do recognize it, don't want it because they don't, they now realize or what they said they wanted, they didn't get. Or they got but don't want it once they've gotten it. So we have a lot of uh, mental and emotional issues, both men and women, to deal with, mainly women, not men, mainly women. So that's... Um, that is absolutely untrue. What? Men have a voluminous amount of issues. Unresolved, in fact, <laughs> they don't deal with their issues, I think, on a greater sense than women. Women will talk to each other. They're going to seek counseling. You have to drag a man to counseling, and even then he's going kicking and screaming. She's uh, that, often correct. That's the Miss Lady I know and love. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey we well, listen, good I, people. Look, my, look, I tell you what, I just want to say one thing. That. Dr. Anderson, we down like we down like to the last minute or so of the show, but I want you to give okay. everybody information how they can go out and get your book. You can get my book. You can go to Amazon.com and just type in Dr. Matthew Anderson, or type in The Resurrection of Romance, or you can go to my blog, which is much better. The blog is TheResurrectionOfRomance.com. I've got. The way you can get the book, there's a whole bunch of articles, there's some videos on there, and you can get in touch with me. And, uh, Joe, you go there right now, and you, you read everything that's in there, okay? <laughs> hey, well, listen, listen, listen. I'm, boy, the, the show, the time goes by so fast when you're having fun. We're definitely going to have to have you back soon so we can continue this conversation, do a part two of this, because I know Joe will be back. And I definitely, Dr. Hansen, want to thank you for taking time out. I'll be happy to do that. Come share that. But you definitely got to come back because I know Joe's sitting over there with his mouth open. He got some more questions. (laughs) And uh, we definitely got to do a part two of this one and and kick it up again. I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you again. And uh, we're going to talk to you soon, Dr. Hansen. Thank you much. Okay. Thanks for having me. God bless you. Thank, Thank you. Dr. Matthew Anderson, y'all, on Can I Play a Play, you can go hear this show immediately in our archives if you miss any part of it. If you got iTunes podcast, you can go hear it there. You can go here to see it at worldmovie.com. Check out your boy next Sunday on Can I Play a Play right here on Blog Talk Radio. It's just a world movement thing.
Oh, 